Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. So today, we're at the third Sunday of Advent, and if you've noticed, the colors have changed from purple to rose, as Father Michael likes to say. It's not pink, it's rose. He doesn't wear pink and neither do I. And uh, the reason that we lighten the color a little bit is to, to take a moment to really remember in the course of our fasting and our uh, asceticism during this period of Lent, as we're pondering, we don't we don't want to, you know, we're not trying to bring ourselves down. We're not trying to put ourselves in a place where we're sad because we have nothing to fear. We all hear throughout the Bible, whenever an angel visits someone, the angel the first words usually out of their mouth is, don't be afraid. I mean, I'm sure to see an angel is a pretty terrifying thing. I don't think it's anything quite like some of the pictures we see in popular media, these beautiful creatures that are, um, you know, sort of rosy-cheeked and wearing glorious dresses and this sort of stuff. as far as I can tell from the Bible, seeing an angel is a pretty terrifying thing, at least if they come in their full glory, let's say. Do not be afraid. And so, again, as we're marching through the season of Advent here, we're, we're not to be depressed about the things that we're thinking about. We have a Savior who's coming, who did come. And we want to hold those two things in tension throughout the season of Advent. Our Savior came with great mercy, with great love. And yes, he will come back to judge. But he's going to come back to judge us with that same love and that same mercy. God is not vengeful towards us. We know God came to save us. God has been chasing after us since the very beginning. God created us not to hate us. He created us to love us. And that brings us today to a passage from St. Matthew's Gospel. John, as you know, John the Baptist is the forerunner of Christ. He is the type of Elijah in the Old Testament who would come before the new prophet who was sort of to be a new Moses. And no one really knew what to expect. Everybody was expecting, maybe even John, but I'm I'm not sure what John's motives here are for sure. I think that's a debate. But But most people certainly weren't expecting a little humble baby born 
in a manger, flying amongst animals. They were instead expecting, as St. Matthew tells us in his gospel today, perhaps somebody in king's houses wearing soft clothing. I mean, and what's even more shocking about the whole story, right? They're expecting a king to come and they got a king, but they got more, more than a king. They got God himself and to believe for a moment that God would come and become one of us demonstrates the very love and mercy I was talking about just a moment ago. But John is sitting there in prison. He said some true, but rather annoying things to King Herod about his relationships, which, as you can imagine, the king didn't like very much. But it turns out King Herod actually had quite a bit of respect for, for John, as we understand. It was more King Herod kind of couldn't let himself be dissed by his own family and things like that. And he really, really cared quite a bit for John and was actually quite afraid of him. Nevertheless, John is here in prison. And it says that John was in prison and had heard the works of Christ. Now, many of us, you know, think, well, we all remember all the disciples following Christ around. And this, this is true at some, at some point. Certainly Jesus had called his 12 disciples by this point in the story. Jesus was starting to build some crowds. But there were still a lot of folks who thought that maybe John was the Messiah and not Jesus. And so it's clear that John had heard about the things that Christ was doing. John knew, John says right up front that he is not the Messiah. He says that in the beginning of the story. And yet, um, this, in this situation, there's still people believing that he is. And so whether John had this question for himself, which I tend to doubt, but I, I like to entertain that possibility sometimes when I'm talking about this passage, or whether he just wanted his disciples to, you know, cut themselves off from him. He asked this question to Jesus. He sends his disciples to ask Jesus this question. Are you he that should come or do we look for another? So I think he's sending his disciples out to ask Jesus about this in order to get them to really realize the magnitude of what Jesus is doing. And the answer that Jesus gives is go back to John and tell him all the stuff you, you see and hear. I'm not just telling you this is what I'm doing. You've seen it for yourself. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And why are those things relevant? Why are those the things that Jesus wants the disciple, these disciples of John to hear, see, and experience? And now he's bringing them into the light for them to like, doesn't this jog your memory about something? And what he's trying to remind them is that these 
are the very things that the Messiah was supposed to do in the prophecies of the Old Testament. And surely, John's disciples got this. And then he says, and blessed is whosoever shall not be offended in me. It's kind of an interesting way to send them off. I mean, did he sense somehow that John was offended of him? Was John upset that he was stuck in this prison with no clear way out? Why was Jesus not coming to be that great military king they'd all expected in opening the gates and bringing John out to live the rest of his days in happiness? Or was it that the disciples were offended about him, that John's disciples? You know, a lot of folks were offended by Jesus. This is, again, a lot of the reason why John people continued to follow John. John was clearly an ascetic. He was clearly uh, one who uh, was doing things right. You could tell just by looking at him. And we, we're so used to Jesus that we tend to forget that he, he wasn't really showing to the people of that time what they were expecting a holy person to do. He, he wasn't um, wearing sackcloth and ashes all the time and e eating locusts out in the desert. He wasn't um, only having camaraderie with the people, the other people who were acting holy. He was out there seemingly breaking the law by healing on the Sabbath, by having his disciples not fast when they should. He was dining with sinners. None of this, in the eyes of many people at that time, would have been thought to be acceptable. Certainly not for the Messiah who was coming. And yet we hear in our Proper's for today, this concept of moderation. We hear about moderation. And so I think that Jesus is reminding them that the straight way is in between this total kind of asceticism and a sort of wild craziness in our life. Now again, it's not a license to sin. Sin is not the other end of the spectrum. But there's a time and a season for everything. There's a time and a season to rejoice in a godly way. And there's a time and a season to fast, as Jesus himself reminds his disciples. The time to fast will come, and indeed it has. And here we are, 2,000 years later, a part of that fast. And so Jesus is reminding us here on a Sunday where we moderate our color just a little bit, where we moderate our fast just a little bit to keep it in balance. 
The highway isn't over the mountains. It isn't in the valley. It's in between. The valleys are raised up and the mountains are made low. We need to keep that even keel. We need to be walking the straight and narrow path. And it's not an easy path to walk. It's easy to go off one way or the other. And luckily, the church, recognizing that, creates a Sunday like this to provide some guardrails for us so that we don't spend all of our time moping around and we remember to rejoice. Rejoice, as our intro says. Because there is something absolutely incredible that's about to happen. Something no one could even have imagined. It was not even the angels imagined this. That in a short few days, 10 days from now, as we commemorate in a very Jewish way, a tradition we've carried on of commemoration, we really experience the events of the past. We don't just think about them and daydream about them. We enter into those experiences. In a few short days, again, Jesus will come and visit us. Again, as a humble little child lying in a manger, to help us remember that he loves us. That there is not anything he wouldn't do for us. And that's why this Sunday we're here to rejoice and remember that event that is coming so very soon. So I urge you on this day in Advent to lift up your heads and look for what's coming from where I hope you've been spending some time meditating inside your heart looking in some of the dark places in it and trying to bring those out into the light. But for today, moderate that. Don't worry about those things. And bring yourself up and remember why you're doing it, why it's worth that tough effort. And remember that with it will come the great joy and the, and the wonderful Christmas season that we're looking so forward to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.